I make it a point never to try and put words in the mouth of another alcoholic. But having just met Robbie, I, uh, I can imagine that at some point in time, somebody may have told him to go to hell. <laughs> and that when he got off the aircraft and stepped out into the balmy South Dakota weather, he could imagine that it finally came true. <laughs> Robbie hails from the wonderful state of New Jersey. And I think we're particularly fortunate and blessed tonight to have him here as a speaker. So I'm asking you all to help me and provide Robbie with a warm Wednesday night welcome. Good evening, everybody. My name is Robbie, and I'm an alcoholic. Let's try it again. Good evening, everybody. My name is Robbie, and I'm an alcoholic. There you go. Bring that right spirit into the evening. Uh, I am so grateful to be here tonight. Uh, so grateful to be um, hanging out with other recovering alcoholics and, and friends of ours. And uh, so grateful. Um, I haven't found it necessary to pick up a drink, a drug, a mitre, mood-altering substance since November 1st of 1983. And that's through... I was like, this guy's age over here. I was like, Elliot's age. But anyway, um, and that's through the grace of God, the Fellowship of AA, strong sponsorship. And that's why I'm still here today. It's good to see Lisa R. here. I served with Lisa R. up in New York, a little service position we had back in 1998 and 1999. And I want to so thank my boy in the back, Johnny G. Mandy. What, what a great job he did. I don't think he was ready for me, but uh, he thought he was just going to like call me once and email me once. And once I said yes, it was over with. But I, I sort of like, I kind of liked him. So I took him hostage for a little while, for a few months, and emailed him a lot, called him a lot. He's like, yeah, I'm still here and... Yeah, the meeting's still going on, but uh, and uh, I just wanted to know a few things. You know, I watched the weather and all that stuff. And I left New Jersey. It was 51 degrees and sunny. What was I thinking? And I know what I was thinking. I was thinking, uh, you know, I was coming out to hang out with you guys. Um, the neat thing about being up here, you know, my best part of Alcoholics Anonymous is being a worker, is being a trusted servant. For many, many years, that's all I did. I, I did what you guys did here tonight. I made the coffee. I drove speakers around. I, I set up tables and chairs for assemblies and conferences and roundups. And, and whatever my sponsor told me to do, I did. Who's here because their sponsor told them to come tonight? Anybody? Good, good. That's great. Good. Yeah, I met all these guys from, where are you guys from? Jamesburg? Is that how you say that? Where are you from? Jamestown? And, and they're all like, yeah, we're glad we're here. And the one guy said, I don't want to be here. So I appreciate that. Good honesty, dude. I like that. And uh, that's how I would have been, man. But uh, all right, I'll go. Where are you going? Another diner? You've got to be kidding me. You know, I'm an exciting guy. I don't want to go to diners. Let's um, just for a moment, why don't we just all bow our heads just for a moment. I'd like at this time to ask our higher power, our loving God, to come into the room. Um, I, if we haven't done that already, I'd just like to ask him to come into my heart so that I can speak the language of the heart here this evening. And as well, to come into your hearts so that we can all listen, hopefully, uh, to a message of, of hope that AA can deliver. And we'll meet back here in just a few seconds. Thank you, everybody. Um, 
It takes the pressure off of me. Now, hopefully, I'll speak the language of the heart that uh, Bill W. talked about. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, so I can speak the language of the gutter like that. Remember, remember Rocky? Yo, Adrian, over here. Your, your sister's over here tonight. You know, I like that. I can talk like that. I have no problem with that. I'm a Philadelphia e Eagles season ticket holder. So if any of you guys are getting text messages about the game, just let me know. Go 7-3 or I'm okay with that. My birds are playing, and I'm a season ticket holder. I have a good time. Uh, I love sobriety. I'll probably come out tonight um, just the way I am. There's actually a lot of people on A that don't like me. You know what I mean? Some sponsees that don't like me. And uh, uh, because I like to answer the bell. I like to do whatever, whatever I had to do for victory over alcohol. You know, and sometimes that means doing the mundane jobs. Sometimes that means sitting in smoke-filled rooms, at least where I'm from. Sometimes that means going to business meetings. You know, sometimes that means listening to a newcomer after a meeting, you know, instead of going home to my wife and baby. You know, sometimes it means whatever it has to take, you know, to, to stay away from that first fatal drink. Um, tonight, I, I really believe tonight I'm going to give you really God's story. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to give you my story. Well, it's not really my story. Because my story would have ended up in a penitentiary or would have ended up dead somewhere in a gutter. You know, so really this is, this is you know, God's story took over. On uh, October 31st of 1983, when I asked to come into AA, you know, so hopefully that's what I'm going to give you here tonight. Um, I don't. It's so cool because I don't have any big shotism. I really don't like. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm just like. I'm still amazed that people call me and ask me to speak somewhere. Every time they do that, I'm like totally amazed. Um, I tell my sponsors, you know what I mean, and, and, and most importantly, I. I you know, this is just another way of carrying the message. I just assume we home at my home group tonight with my guys. I belong to the stagecoach group of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're from a little uh, short town called Ocean View, New Jersey. All right. My group meets five times a day, Monday through Friday. And on Saturday and Sunday, we meet six times a day. We're serious. You know, <laughs> you can't belong to my home group and say, uh, I couldn't make it to a meeting today. You know. I mean, you could work, you could be in a great relationship and all. It don't matter. You could still make a meeting. You know, we got them from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. You can make a meeting if you need to make a meeting. And that's, and that's the way I drank. I drank and did all that other stuff uh, all the time. I don't know about you guys, but there was never a bad time for a drink. Any, anybody can relate to that? Okay, the two Almonds, you don't relate. That's okay. Um, but there was never a bad time for a drink. Just like there's a, never a bad time... Uh, for a cup of coffee, man. I, uh, my, wife, my wife thinks I'm crazy. My wife's like one of those Al-Anon people, like just normal. You know what I mean? She doesn't really get sometimes. Like I go to conventions and conferences, and I'm up at like 5 in the morning to go to the early bird meeting. She's like, what are you doing? It's like we're out here at this nice resort, and you're going to a meeting at this Al-Anon club? What are you thinking, you know? But that's just the way I am. I, I, I enjoyed the Al-Anon club uh, uh, today at 12 noon at Alberdeen because I got sober at an Al-Anon club in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. You'll hear about that. Uh, it was great. Uh, Johnny and, and Jimmy picked me up at the airport. You know, I saw I was looking for I get off the plane and I'm dressed like this because I worked that day. I had to work half a day on Friday. So I got a suit on. I got my overcoat. And I guess I didn't look like an alcoholic because these two guys are just there like looking around. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I saw Jim and I said, oh, that must be them. <laughs> and uh, and what? And uh, uh, what? No, no, because he was looking at me. You know, you guys are bad. And uh, love you. I told you I was going to get you. And, uh, and so then anyway, I get into Aber Aberdeen. I got to say that right. I get into Aberdeen. Uh, is that right? At 1030 at night. Was it 1030 or 1130 at night? Friday night. Long day in the office. 
And these guys are like, hey, we're going to go out to the diner. And I was like, all these people want to meet you. And I'm like, whoa, this is weird. So I go to the diner and, and, and all these guys were here, you know, all these crazy guys and just hanging out and drinking coffee, guys and girls. And that was really cool. It really reminded me of my home group. So that, that was great fellowship. And finally, at about 5 o'clock this morning, I, I, I got to sleep. And uh, <laughs> man, we had like 12 pots of coffee at 11.15 at night. Well, some things don't change, you know what I mean? But, uh, but it's really been a great time. Uh, I want to thank the hospitality of everybody here, and it's so great to be here, um, carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. This isn't my message. I have no axes to grind up here. I'm not one of those guys that have any statements to make that isn't already in my big book or in my 12 and 12. If you came here to hear anything profound, you might be in the wrong place. Uh, I belong to a fellowship called Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's perfect just the way it is. You know, my way was so bad, man. When I came in here, when I came crawling in here on October 31st of 83 on Halloween, man, I was drunk. I hated myself. I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to die and all. So who am I to try to change this deal? You know, it was working just good in 1983. And, it's, and, and because I look at things through a new set of glasses, it's, it's working even better today. So I'm not going, I don't think I'm going to ruffle any feathers here unless you're not one of those people that really love Alcoholics Anonymous. Then you might not like me too much. And just call your sponsor. Get over <laughs> I love what Bill says in our big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and there is a solution. He says, we're like the passengers on a great ship liner. The moment after shipwreck. Okay, where Juliusness, uh, camaraderie, and democracy pervade the vessel. I think what Bill's saying is a lot of us were out there and we were beaten and battered by the storms of alcoholism. You know, and, but then all of a sudden we land on this island called Alcoholics Anonymous. And isn't that great? Wouldn't that be great if Bill just ended that part right there? We made it here. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, did you drink like me, Don? Yeah, I did. Good. You're going to a meeting tomorrow? Yeah. You going? Yeah, I'll be there too. <laughs> Could you imagine if that's all it was, that we just had a common denominator, that we were major drinkers and we ruined, we, our parents hated us and we, and we, we, we drank away great lives and we did all the, Wouldn't that be something? But that, unfortunately, Bill put another paragraph in there. And what he said is, that is only one of the powerful elements of cement that holds us together as we are here today. Our stories. I'm going to tell you my story. Okay? I'm going to tell you my story. And that, but that's only one of the powerful elements of cement. That's the catalyst that gets us all here to meet together, to allow God to come into our lives somehow. But then he says, the tremendous fact is that we found a common solution, one in which we can agree and join in brotherly and harmonious action. And that's what I've seen here tonight. That's what he says. That ain't me. So I got to talk about that tonight, too. I got to talk about the, you know, how I joined AA, how I learned how to go to these diners with you people, you know, how I had to learn to go to these business meetings, you know, that I really didn't like. Anybody here not like business meetings? Be honest. Good, good. You're in the right place. Oh, by the way, um, everybody in the front row, raise your hand real fast. Okay, Lisa, a little longer. Okay. That's the sick row, everybody. Say hi to the sick row. Now, everybody in the back row, raise your hand. That's the inventory row back there. Thanks, guys. We appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> look at all, there's always seats up front whenever I share. It's so funny. But you can never get a seat in the back, man. They're all packed back there. I'm a front row dude, man. I just am. I'm always afraid I'm going to miss something. I don't know what it is, man. Could you imagine? Now, listen to this. Now, just stay with my logic for a second. Say you, whoever your favorite group is, like, say mine's the Rolling Stones. Could you imagine if I got two tickets to Rolling Stones and the ticket agent said, the ticket agent said you could sit anywhere you want? 
You think I'd sit in the back row? I don't think so. I'd be right up front, baby. I don't want to miss nothing. So that's when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, man, I'm a front row dude, man, straight up. So if you ever see me at a, a like convention or a conference or a roundup or even in my home group, I sit up front. They know that, you know, so it's all good. So if you're up front, man, I like you guys. Good job. Um, my story or God's story, man. You know, I come from Philadelphia. Okay, I come from a, you know, I told you where I come from. I come from a, a, a Catholic family. You know, uh, we're all different. My mom and dad, man, my mom and dad didn't have a problem with booze or any of that other stuff. My God, my mom and dad hugged me. My mom and dad loved me. I know not everybody's stories like this. We're all different. Man, I come from a family that just loved me to death. Man, I went to... Eight years of Catholic schooling. I was an altar boy, man. I rang the bells when the priest raised the chalice and the host. I was a good kid. I sang Kumbaya, my Lord. I mean, I did all that stuff, man. I, I, I clapped the erasers for the nuns. I'm not like a recovering Catholic. I loved Catholic school. I really did. Everything was great. That This is pre-alcohol, mind you, right? Then all of a sudden, something happened. I was eighth grade summer, and I was on the way down to a Yes concert. For all you people over 45, that's a rock and roll group, okay? I'm on the way to a Yes concert, right? And, uh, and what were we doing? We were doing shots of Southern Comfort and eating nacho cheese Dorito corn chips. Oh, great going down, but not good coming up. It's just that simple. And so I, first drunk, man, first drunk on the way to a Yes concert. Everything was going great until Roundabout came on. Remember Roundabout? Roundabout, roundabout came on, and I projectile vomited on this dude right in front of me, man. And uh, he didn't think it was funny. but um, And I passed out like a lot of us do. See, I'm not like one of those like social drinkers. I just drink like more, you know, more means like, okay, you got more. Yeah. It's like, like, like one o'clock in the morning, the party's over. And like, I'm one of those guys like, where are we going? You know what? You're going home. And like, why would you go home? So I'm one of those guys. I just drank my first drunk. I got sick. I got home and my mom looked at me. I'm, 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 I'm an eighth grade to ninth grade. I'm, I'm a 12 and a half year old. And my mom looked at me and she said, what's wrong with you? And the sad part was, I didn't know what was wrong with me. But I was drunk. See, I got another different part of my story that's not like a lot of alcoholics. I fit in growing up. I was the quarterback on the football team. I was the shooting guard on the basketball team. I played shortstop on the baseball team. I fit in. I, on hockey, I was right winger, man. We played street hockey in Philadelphia. I fit in everywhere. I had friends out my, you know what? I didn't have any problems. You know, some people say, oh, life was horrible. I never fit in. I picked up a drink and, ah, not my story. I fit in. I had friends. Here's my story, though. Here's what happened when I picked up a drink. I picked up a drink, and, 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 I, and I loved that effect. Can anybody relate to that? That's in, the, that's in the doctor's opinion. I drank for effect. So what did I have to do when I finally got here to AA? I had to, I had to get some effect from you people. And thank God you guys gave it to me. It says on page 151 of the big book, if that bothers you, I know a page, just get over it. But it says on, it says on 151 of the big book, you know, ever hear some people say, well, I don't want you to think I'm a big book thumper, but I'm not afraid of nobody in here. You know, this, th these books saved my life. So if I quote them, I might quote them. So on 151, it says, it says uh, yeah, I know I'm consigned. This is a newcomer speaking. It said, he says, yeah, I know I'm consigned. Uh, to a life of having to stay sober. Kind of like when we know we got to be here, but we don't want to be here. It's like, okay, I'm here. Whatever. I'm not smiling. I'm not laughing. I'm not sitting up front. And I'm not drinking that horrible coffee. But I'm here. Okay, just leave me alone. You're, don't push it. Well, so this dude's like that. And he says, so, so but am I co-signed 
uh, to, to being a, a stupid and boring and having a horrible life? Don't you have a substitute for the exciting life I had? That's pretty much what he says. And the guy answers and says, yes, we do. We have a substitute. It's called alcohol. It's called the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. Here you will find release from care, worry, and boredom. And then it says, here your imagination will be fired. I don't know about you guys. It took a while. But finally, my imagination got fired. I started having fun staying sober. And I so needed that. I so love coming to AA, no matter where I'm at. And, and, and like last night, I'm, honestly, guys, when I came to that diner, what diner were we at? Whatever the... Millstone Diner, thanks, dude. We were at the Millstone Diner, and I went in there, and I saw you guys laughing and having a good time. There you go. Good to see you. Car is here. And, and, and you guys were having fun. And I'm like, yes, I found my people, you see, because that's what attracted me when I was new. If you guys were just sitting there, like I said, when I was when you just sitting there, like, you know what I mean, like a clique, group of people that won't let others in. See, we're not a clique in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, we're a bunch of uh, people that, that if you come in like, hey, how you doing? Who are you? A lot of times you're like, we're a little too nice to newcomers. The newcomer's like, okay, leave me alone, okay. Okay, the court sent me here, leave me alone. I'm cool, but don't push this crap on me. You know, you're all smiling and smelling good and jeez. But uh, so I love that. I love when I come here and I see a, I see a flame of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I see that, you know, I see that smiles. I see the laughter. And guess what? We see the crying. Of course we do. We, see, we smell the, the, the alcohol on, on members sometimes. And hopefully it's at those times that you're one of those members that are willing to go sit with that person, whether it be a man or a woman. You know what I mean? But I'll tell you, man, when I was out there, man, I'll tell you what. I, I, I would have drank. You ever hear some of those people saying, I wouldn't have drank with half you people. I'd have drank with all of you, everyone here, male, female, you're not sure what you are, let's have a drink and figure it out. Uh, yeah, you're like, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't prejudiced. I drink with anybody, anyone, at any time, for any reason, all the time, you know, and uh, that's just the way I was. So I try not to be like that in here. I try not to be like, well, I won't go to that meeting, you know. I try to get, hey, sometimes I go to meetings and I'm like, oh, God, look who's here. And that's okay, man. You know, we, we bring the right attitude towards AA. And uh, so my story, I'm growing up and I'm drinking all through high school. Now I changed from the, from a, I was t a straight A student, first eighth grade. And then in high school, I went to a private Catholic high school, prep high school, because I was smart. It was all guys and that was no good. And uh, oh man, and a lot of these guys were all dressed nice. And but today they're attorneys and doctors and all that stuff. And like, all I wanted to do was like, take like courses like science fiction four and typing three. Yo, is that a B, buddy, where's the B? You know what I mean? I'm all drunk in class, man. I don't care. I don't care about trigonometry, physics, and calculus. I can't even spell that crap. I, I want to have fun because I'm drinking now. If you can relate to that. Now, if you're a newcomer and you're sitting out there, how about anybody working on, like, say, their first six months of sobriety? Anybody here? Raise your hand. Um, good. Good to see you guys. And I see somebody is laughing. And, and so usually I see somebody sitting out there like, when I speak, and that's okay, <laughs> because we understand. We know there's nothing funny when you're brand new. We know how you feel, 100%. I know there's nothing to laugh about, you know, and that's good that you're here, and that's good that you feel that, you know what I mean? We've all been there. Don't give up. 
You know, don't quit before the miracle happens. You know, sometimes um, we think that uh, laughter and cheerfulness make for happiness, it says in the big book. In our big book, Bill says, it says we are not a glum what? Lot. He says we absolutely insist on enjoying life. Because if the newcomers could see no joy in our existence, why would they want to stick around? There's plenty of other stuff out there. There's plenty of unhappiness out there. There's plenty of irritability and restlessness and discontent right out there, back where we used to be. Right, Raj? Right? Right out there. Right, man. That dude sat next to me in the diner. Uh, never do that again, will you? But, um, um, but the reality of it is, man, you know what? Today, man, it's okay to come here and to be willing to let AA come into your life, to let people come into your life. It's okay to be a little enthusiastic with sobriety. Um, I got taught by a, a, a speaker that enthusiasm, the Greek root of enthusiasm is entheos. And entheos in Greek means the God within. So when you see an enthusiastic member, whether he, he's at work or whether he's a ball player or whether he's an alcoholics anonymous, he or she, it's because you, you are, you're looking at their God. I'm sponsored by a guy named Reverend Ed M. from uh, uh, Davenport, Iowa. Okay, and one time before he knew who I was and who I and I knew who he was, he got done speaking. I'm bawling, I'm bawling, I'm bawling, I'm crying, I'm a crier. Sometimes I cry, and uh, and he just gave a killer message one night in New Jersey at our convention. I was a newer guy, had like ten years, and I'm crying. Thank you, you know, afterwards, you meant so much to me. And I said, I felt your God. And he looked at me and he pulled me out and he says, You felt my God because that's what you were looking for. You see. And I like that. See, when I see in you your defects of character, when I see in you your shortcomings, when I see in you your flaws, I believe that's what I'm looking for. You see? You know, today I got taught in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's too easy. Stop looking for the flaws in Alcoholics Anonymous. Stop looking for the flaws in our parents. Stop looking for the flaws in, in, in the society at large. Look for what's right. It's a lot harder to do. But I'll tell you, when you're happy and you're joyous and, and you have a respect for other people's viewpoints and opinions, it makes us much more useful uh, to others. That's in the big book as well. So in high school, I graduated. All right? I went down to a place called Wildwood, New Jersey. That's called Senior Week. We're all a parochial school Senior Week. And uh, me and all my boys now, I'll tell you what my, boy, my, my buddies' uh, nicknames were. I just could tell you I was a drinker. Bones, Lumpy, and Killer. All right? I was Weasel. <laughs> It was so funny. <laughs> so here it is. We, uh, I had on my coat. Weasel on my coat. I just thought that was great. And anyway, so me, me Bones, Lumpy, and Killer go down to the shore, right down to Wildwood, New Jersey for Senior Week. You know, we're 18 years old. We're going to sow our wild oats. We're going to drink, right? And all our girlfriends go down. Now, my little girlfriend's name was Barbie. Okay. Oh. Oh. And Bones, Lumpy, and Killer, they all, their girlfriends were all Barbie's girlfriends. And so I remember I went to Barbie's hotel room the first night. And I knocked on the door. And she said, come in. So I go in. Now, my hat's on backwards. I'm listening to ACDC in, in, in the Walkman on the highway to hell. Remember that song, man? On the highway to hell. And I'm just on that road. I'm on that highway, man. I'm a drinker. And I'm just feeling no pain. I'm, I'm leaving a keg to go get my girl to take her to a bar and she looked at me in the eye and she said sit down now i don't know about you but when I, when you're in a jackpot you kind of know it even if you're drunk you know what i mean so i sat down and i looked like into that room and like four of her girlfriends were all like peeking out now i'm thinking this is not good you know what i mean uh, you know you girls when you support each other man that's not a good thing man 
You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know. So, so I sit down with Barb, and she looks me in the eye. She's 18, I'm 18. And she says to me, Robbie, you drink too much for me. Now, you girls can all help me with the end of this, okay, please? And I'm going to have to go in a different direction. That's right, who said that? Yeah, very good, very good, yeah, good. Uh, and that's what she said, and I'm going to have to go in a different direction, you know? And, and I said, now, I wanted to say, I thought about saying Barbie. We've had so many special times together. We've experienced a lot of things for the first time. We've been to the junior prom, the senior prom together. I really love you a lot, and I'm going to stop drinking this week for you. And instead, what I said was, really? And I just walked away like a country song. Man, you know what I mean? And I walked away, and I was downtrodden, man. I got back to bones lumpy and killer. And I said, <laughs> and I said, guess what? And they're like, what, dude? What's going on? And they're like, I said, Barb broke up with me. She's going to go in a different direction. And they were all like, yeah, great, man. That's awesome. Let's party. Now, if you're my age, if you're in your 40s, you remember Animal House? Yeah, man. And I was like John Belushi and Animal House. I'm like, cool, let's party, man. So a four-year relationship in four minutes was gone. Why? My, upper, my, 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 my inner child? I don't think so. It was because of booze. I think mean, for one sec, and we do it to our parents, okay? We do it to our girlfriends, our, 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 if you're a woman, to our boyfriends. We do it to our husbands, our wives, our kids. You know, anything that comes in front of alcohol ends up, uh, anything in front of alcohol becomes a distant second because alcohol is always up front, you know? And that's just the way it is. And we don't mean no disrespect. We don't, you know, we, it doesn't mean we don't love you. It doesn't mean we don't care about you. It just means what we read and how it works. That fellow came up here and read how it works. You can help me with it if you like. I like getting you involved. It says, remember, we deal with alcohol. Cunning, baffling, and proud. Let's try it again. It says, remember, we deal with alcohol. Cunning, baffling, and powerful. And without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? May you find him now, alcohol was so cunning, baffling, and powerful, I wasn't stopping for Barb. I wasn't stopping for the teachers. I wasn't stopping for the priest. I wasn't stopping for my mom and dad. And I wasn't even stopping for my little sister because I'm drinking. It's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, sometimes you hear in, in the rooms about denial and all that sounds good. But it's a little, it's a little bit of a light word. Okay, what we talk talk about in our big book is delusion and illusion. There's a difference. See, denial means that you kind of know it's wrong in the back of your mind, but you're just denying it. Delusion is you're doing it. You have absolutely no idea how messed up you are. And that's the difference. And that's what an alcoholic is. Straight up. I was in a delusion. I just thought that, man, this booze, that was everything. I did not see that it was taking my education away. I did not see that it was taking my girlfriend away. I did not see it was taking my parents away. I didn't see that it was taking my ambition away. And in the end, I did not see that it was eventually going to take my sanity. You know, all I saw was fun and a drink. That's all I saw. And I can't explain that. You know, I'm not a psychologist. I can just tell you my story, and this is what happened. <sighs> So I got a job at a bank. <laughs> you can see this is going to go in a bad direction, can't you? I had good SATs. I'm a smart kid, so I had good SATs. And my, my guidance counselor in high school got me a job at a bank. Now I'm 18 years old. I'm a graduate of high school, of a Catholic private prep high school, and I'm a bank teller. 
And on the first day, the vice president sits down and he says, Robbie, good news. Um, we like your marks. We've got good reports from you, from your high school counselors, on and on and on. And uh, better news, we're going to send you to Temple University at Broad and Columbia in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, if you get A's and B's, we're going to pay for it. And in fact, only thing you've got to do is make it for 90 days probation. I was doing good until he said that. And I would, but I was happy. And I went home and told mom and dad, and I'm going to go to Temple. Good, good learning, higher learning. Man, I was excited. And I was 18 years old, okay? And, uh, but I'm an alcoholic. So everything was going good till like that Friday, all right? And, then that, and, then, and on that Friday, I was working with, I don't know about you guys, but you can relate to this. I was working with four bank tower chicks, and one was prettier than the next. Man, stockings and skirts. And I just, I'm 18 years old. Hormones are racing. What a job, man. I was living large, man. And uh, so I'm a bank teller. And these four girls looked at me and they were like, hey, Robbie, we all go over to Froggy's after work. Would you like to go? Now, allow me to explain. At 70s and Walnut in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right across the street from this, this uh, financial institution I worked at was a, a, a green neon frog going across the sign all day. And it said, Froggy's leap on it. <laughs> I never leapt on out. But, uh, but I was dying to leap on in with these girls, especially with these girls, you know what I'm saying? So after work, I went over with these four cute girls, and man, everything, everything is going great till about 7 o'clock. And then that really weird thing happens to non-alcoholics. <laughs> They're like, uh, we're going. And I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. Where are you going? They're like, um, we're starting to feel it. <laughs> you know how we are. We've got to drink right past that feeling. You know I mean? That's like amateur stuff. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, oh, no, we've got to work tomorrow. And we've got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God. So anyway, see you later. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd stay all night. I'm a, last, I'm a last call thing. You know, I belong to this big group that I told you about. And after the 10 o'clock meeting, we had this one guy that used to go over to that light switch and turn the lights on and off until I went to the business meeting. I said, yo, that guy's giving me a bad head with that light thing. <laughs> Flashback here, last call. But um, I'm a last call guy. I leave a bar at one in the morning and I'm 18 years old. I'm not drinking now to impress the girls anymore. I'm not in drinking to impress the guys on the football team anymore. I'm not drinking for the camaraderie. I'm not drinking for the tunes. Yeah, man, Zeppelin. You know, dazed and confused. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. I'm drinking by myself at the bar. It's not good. Um, but uh, not with me. i got to be careful. Sorry about that, Mr. Taper. I usually bond with the Taper. But uh, anyway, um, I'm drinking all by myself, and I'm puking, and I'm... I'm urinating in bushes, and I'm just, and I'm, I'm puking on people on the subway in Philadelphia, and it's just a bad thing. But again, alcohol is starting to take over my life. That's why I'm telling you my story. I'm, I'm showing you the progression of this illness or this malady we call alcoholism. And again, my mom would just look at me when I come home from the, from the, uh, from the bank and say, Robbie, what is wrong with you? You're doing so good, you're going to go to school. Would you stop it? And my, even my little sister, who was a freshman in high school now, who was like perfect, by the way, I don't know what that's about, never smoked, never drank, you know, smoke a joint, why, why would I want to do that, she said. I'm like, oh, I guess if, if I got to explain, I guess it ain't going to work. And, and she just never did nothing, nothing. She's, a, she's an attorney in New York, and she's a great girl. But even she would plead with me, Robbie, stop it. We all love you, brother. You're my big brother. Would you stop it? And as much as I want to, and perhaps I even made, would make a decision to do it every once in a while, alcohol was too cunning, baffling, and powerful. And that's just the way it is.
It's just the way it is. My story is real simple. I don't bring a lot of stuff into it. You know, I talk about booze. I talk about AA. I talk about God. I talk about these wonderful steps and these wonderful traditions and, and what happens when we get involved in service and what happens when we have a wonderful fellowship around us. You know, no, no new dynamics from this guy tonight. So I started giving myself gradual raises at the bank. <laughs> That's not a good idea, is it? Nah. That's probably bad if you work at McDonald's. It's really bad if you work at a federal depository. Okay? They actually have a crime for that. They, they, they actually named that something. So anyway, I'm doing good for the first few weeks. You know what I mean? And eventually... Um, uh, it caught up with me. Don't get me wrong. Everybody knew me at Froggy's, and I was drinking real well. And see, I don't. I can't think. I can't think of what the repercussions going to be. All I can think about is drinking, and that's just my story. I can't explain that. I did not, you know, as a junior in high school, sit in the homeroom and say, you know, someday I want to go to prison. I want to go to jails. I want to go to rehabs. And by golly, someday I want to see what it's like to be in a mental hospital. <laughs> You know, I want people to look at me. I want people to spit at me. I want people to look at me with disdain when they see me. I want my own mom and dad when I call home to say, you don't have a home near here no more. I want to hear my little sister in the background crying when I call home. I want to get to a point where I hate myself so much that I want to commit suicide. See, I never said that. See, that's why I believe this is a, is, is a major disease. That's why I believe I was in a delusion and illusion. See, alcohol never, if, alcohol, if alcohol had told me that that's what it was going to do to me, you know, and, and right up from the beginning, and, and just maybe, just maybe I would have listened. I don't know. But I know that once I put it in me, man, there was no stop. So one day I show up for work, and I'm dressed like this, and I'm ready to go to work, and I'm happy, joyous, and free, man. I'm an alcoholic, boy, and I just, I'm doing well. And all of a sudden, there's two guys with hair like mine, but unlike me, they got guns on their side and, and handcuffs coming out the rear end, and they said, is your name Robert Walker? And here I thought it was at Temple Intake, you know what I mean? And I said, yes! And they said, hands against the thing, and they patted me down, and they were, they were from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, okay? And uh, it was going to be my first of many lockups. And I never got fired from that job. They just took me out of there. <laughs> like so. And so they took me out in handcuffs, and I went to a, a federal building, and I got a year. I got a year in prison at 18 years old. Okay, at that time, I had, I had, I had real light blue eyes. I had sandy blonde hair. I remember Bruce Jenner. He went away with the wings and all. I had wings. I had a good tan from Wildwood. That's good with the girls in high school. It's not good with the prisoners. Okay? <laughs> Everybody to laugh hasn't been to prison, apparently. <laughs> One guy's back there, yeah, I hear you, dude. And, uh, and man, I'll tell you what, man, it wasn't. I, I mean that seriously. It might came off as a joke, but I, it's not funny, you know, when men are flirting with you and they want to get to know you. You know what I mean? You know, I remember every night in that prison, man, I swear, I, I make a joke about this, but it ain't funny. Every night in that prison, I said the practicing alcoholic prayer, and you can help me with it if you know it. Oh, dear God, please help me get out of this one, and I'll never... I said it in the Al-Anon convention, and they're all like, I don't know. But uh, that's what it is. Oh, dear God, please help, me get away. please help me get away from Bubba, Jose, and Spider. And I promise I'll never do it again. I went to Bible classes. Anybody ever been, been in jail? You don't have to raise your hand. But I've been to jail. Bible classes, Seventh-day Adventist. I wash guys' feet. You know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, and I get out. What do you think I did? I drank. Because that's what we do. We can't, with sufficient force, bring into our mind the day, the week, or the month before. Who in here knows somebody that's an inner outer in Alcoholics Anonymous? 
And their story's probably worse than yours. I know plenty of them. Their story's probably worse than yours. Okay? But they just won't accept our spiritual principles. They won't take some simple actions that we have to do. You know, we've been doing all weekend with these guys like Elliot and, and Johnny and Jimmy and just hanging out and, and Estelle, hanging out and, 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 and not drinking, you know what I mean, and, 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 and drinking coffee and, uh, and working. Yeah, it's a, you know, I'm going to say a curse word and we've got to do some labor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't curse. But um, uh, so anyway, so now I'm out of jail. I'm living on the streets. I mean, you know, so what? I, I, I don't think about like I'm not the type of guy that says like, well, I can't drink anymore because I might go back to prison. See, that just does not come into my mind. I find out different ways how to try to stay out of there and, and I don't get a real job because all I want to do is drink. Okay, if I got to go to soup kitchens, I'll learn how to do that. If I got to go to Salvation Armies, I'll learn how to do that. At the holidays, I always got to give that Salvation Army money because I stayed at them. I can't ever walk by. You ever see this? You guys have the Salvation Army with the buckets here? Yeah, it kills me. But um, so anyway, I've been to all those places. Why? Because I'm drinking. I'm not stopping. And I've seen you guys from AA. You came to my prison. You came to my jail. You came to my rehabs looking good and smelling good. Didn't impress me. You know what I mean? I don't have a problem. I'm all right. Really, I'm all right. You know, I just had a few bad, bad nights, you know. I never wanted to stop. Never wanted to stop. Why would I want to stop? I'm having too much fun. That's, what, that's why I, they say it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. So I'll bring you to my last drunk. My last drunk, I'm at an Exton Square Mall in Exton, Pennsylvania, if anybody's from the East Coast, okay? Now, when you're a guy like me, and you, uh, now, I'm, remember, I started when I was 17, at least on that big run there, and I, now I'm 22 years old. I've been here five years, in and out of jails, prisons, rehabs, detoxes, uh, Salvation Armies, Sukkot, Gospel Missions. I mean, I'm, you, you name it, I've been there. Lived on the streets, slept in cars, you know, abandoned or registered, it didn't matter. I mean, I did it all. Nothing, didn't matter, I'm drinking. So you have to learn how to case out a joint at that point in your life if you're a criminal. Yeah, what does that mean? That means you just know when they open, when they close, who has the money, you know what I mean? Uh, do they have security? What's their systems like? Okay, you get sophisticated, right? So all of a sudden I walk into this Hickory Farms, okay? And there was this, there was this little girl, she was about five foot two, blonde hair, blue eyes, about 85 pounds, and I looked at her and I said, I can take her. <laughs> <laughs> I cased out the joint. And so I went in there. <laughs> I put the salami and cheese down my pants, right? You know, those little round things. I'm just hungry. I'm not a real thief at this point in my life. I'm a drunk. You know what I mean? I, I'm not, I, I go from bank job to a Hickory Farms, the downward spiral. So I put this salami and cheese in my pants, and I'm walking out, and this five foot two, 82 pound, young, pretty, petite blonde tackles me. That ain't the worst part. She held me down until the mall police got there. When I was a delegate, I, I, I mentioned to George Dorsey, a guy up there, I mentioned, I said, you know, in the fourth edition, if, if and when it comes out, I think there should be a line in there. He said, what is that, Rob? And I said, I think it should say, if you've ever got locked up by mall police, you belong here. It didn't make it. But... Um, but I got locked up by mall police, man. That's bad, man. You ever seen mall police? If you're one, I'm sorry. <laughs> I spoke in uh, San Diego. The dude come up to me afterwards. Yo, I'm, I'm a mall police and I'm in AA. Get over it. <laughs> That's not good. But uh, you got to be careful. You're always going to step on somebody's toes. So anyway, got locked up by mall police. And now I'm in Chester County Farms Prison. Okay? Tough stuff if you're from up my way. Tough stop. 
real tough stuff. But now I'm an alcohol. I'm an alcohol. And I know how to do time. I know how to wear the uh, boxers and the, and the muscle man t-shirts and the shower shoes and play spades. I'm getting ready to beat these guys in poker afterwards. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know how to do all that stuff. I know how to have a smoke hanging out of my mouth. I know how to talk that language of the gutter. You know, I know how to hang out with my, with my guys. You know, why? Because I'm an alcoholic. I ain't stopping. I'm going to learn how to do time. It's the way it is. So what? I think one of the worst messages we can give to alcoholics when they come into AA is when they come in and we say, you keep on drinking the way you're drinking and you're going to die. Very weak. Because when I came in, if you had told me that, I'd have said, when? When? Help me out. When? How about a better message? If you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to live. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. How about that? Much better message as far as I'm concerned. And I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, at that point in my life, it was horrible. And I tried to fake it and I tried to act like I was having a good time and I really wasn't. When I would be alone at night in my cell, man, I'm telling you what, man, I cried myself to sleep. And I wondered what was wrong with me. You know, how could I be 22 years old, 21 years old, and, and, and in this prison? You know, what, what happened to me? Where did I go wrong? And sometimes I would cry out, but I wouldn't cry out to the right person. I would just, just, the only thing I ever had was the alcohol. You know, I never had a real God, even though I had 12 years of that stuff. And so one day I got in a little beef inside of prison. I, I, don't, I don't jail well, I'm about you, maybe some of you guys do. I don't like being in a, in a place with all men and being told what to do. I just don't jail well. So anyway, I got in a little beef with a dude that was in there, and I, and I ended up, and when you get in a fight inside a prison or whatever, you get in a little altercation, you a prison guard, you look like one. And uh, well, when, you, when, you, when you get, he's like, yeah, I know. And, uh, well, but when you get in a beef, you, you get put on maximum security. And so I got put on maximum security for stealing salami and cheese, go figure. And, and I'm on maximum security, God bless you, in Chester County Farms Prison. And, 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 and I had a beef with the uh, correction officers. I just didn't like them. You know, I mean, they're my jailers. I don't know about you. I didn't like jail. I didn't like bosses. You know, I didn't like authority figures. So I did some inappropriate things. It says in how it works. We share in a general way. So I did some inappropriate things with these prison guards at Chester County Farm Prison. And the next thing you know, they bum rushed me. They opened my cell up. They beat me within an inch of my life. This is the end of my story. And I ended up in the hole at Chester County Farms Prison. Now, the hole inside a prison, if you're, you're, you're taking criminal justice, you'll find out. The, the hole is uh, just a hole in the floor in a prison cell. And that's all that's there. And that hole is to defecate in and urinate in. Uh, urinate in. There is no toilet paper. There's no rack. There's no sink. There's just a hole in the floor. And it's always in the dungeon or it's always in the basement of a prison. And each and every prison in, in the world, as far as I know, has one. And that's where I ended up because of my drinking. Okay? It wasn't because I was a bad guy. It wasn't because I saw wrong things when I was a kid. It wasn't because I was abused. It's because I drank booze. That's why I drank booze and I didn't want to stop it. And for a guy like me that drinks, something crazy stuff happens. And it's just my story and I know you guys can relate to that. And inside this hole, I did uh, the only thing that I could do. It says in our big book, there's going to come a time in our lives where the only thing, okay, between us and a drink, it might not be a sponsor, it might not be a meeting, okay, it might not be a loved one, you better have a God, okay? And, uh, and get one, you know, may you find him tomorrow. No, may you find him now. That's what it says and how it works. And I'll tell you what, I didn't have him. And when it came time and I needed him, and I was just, I just hated myself so much, he wasn't there. All I had was booze. 
And if you're like that, if you're one of those people that all you got is booze, there's going to come a time in your life, and it might not be tonight, and it might not be next week, and it might not be next month, and it might even not be next year. It might be five years from now. God bless you if you've got to go through this. There's going to come a time in your life where if all you got is booze, you're going to probably die. And you ain't going to say that in the paper and the obituary, but you're going to probably die. And what happened was this guy put a, a tray into my cell and he said, Chow! And I was, again, naked, beaten up by these guards. Because of stuff I did, I did a fourth and fifth step. I knew what part I played in that. And I got this food and I'm just crying in it. And I took this spork and I cut my arm up and down. Right here. I still got the scars. And I wasn't trying to get any, anybody's attention. I, didn't want any, and I, I wasn't trying to get out of the hole. And I, and I passed out. And as far as I was concerned, if I had passed into the ages, at that point it would have been okay. See, alcohol had won the battle. When I needed something the most, and when I needed John Barleycorn the most, you see, he just wasn't there, unlike a god. And when I woke up in the infirmary at Chester County Farms Prison, I remember being tied down to the bed. This is my story. And I had cameras on me. And I was shaking like a leaf. And when I woke up, I, I, I wasn't happy. They, had, they were put that intravenous thing in me, so I went, you know... Uh, have some infections or whatever and man if you had seen me at that point in my life I was just a, a wreck of a young man and the sorry point about that story is I wasn't done I wasn't done drinking see you there's not an alcoholic today in Alcoholics Anonymous or, 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 or a human being alive that can convince me that alcohol is not cunning baffling and powerful because I know it is firsthand. I don't debate that with no one you hear my story. It's that simple. And when I got out of that institution, I continued to drink. They took me out of that institution and took me to a state mental hospital called Haverford State Hospital. And in there, I know what it's like to be held down by orderlies and have stuff shot in my rear end in rubber rooms. See, that's where alcohol takes a guy like me at 22 years old. You know, if you're younger than me and you haven't gone there yet and you're considering to drink, please hear my story. Because it's no respecter. It doesn't care where you came from, you know, what color you are, how rich you are, how smart you are. Boy, it's still out there waiting for you. So do yourself a favor, man. Don't, don't do it. And one day, I woke up in a drunk in Kalamazoo, Michigan at 22 years old. And you guys had planted the seed. As much as I hated you, the way you look with those jackets and those ties and those pins and those shoes. And, those, and, 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 and the hair nice and you smelled good. You looked good, and you sounded good. I hated you. And one day, I, but I knew you were there. Because you kept on planting that seed. Don't ever stop. All you people that carry the message into jails and prisons and rehabs, you might think you're not helping nobody. Because there's a lot of guys in there smoking and joking and girls. But don't stop it. Because there's guys like me in there listening to you and storing it. So I, when I finally, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, looked up into the heavens, and I did the AA entry prayer, I said, God, please help me. I know you're up there. I heard from you, your, 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 your apostles or your, or your saints or your messengers, your AA people. I knew you were up there. I knew you're here. And I don't know what happened to me, ladies and gentlemen. It was October 31st of 1983, but I just knew I had to go to AA. And I knew if that didn't work that I was a goner. 
and I went to the Allen Club on 933 South Burdick Street in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I walked in there, and I asked them if I could have a cup of coffee, and I didn't have any money, and they poured me a cup of coffee, and they gave me cream and sugar, and they said, sit down, and I sat down, and whoever would listen, I cried to them, and I told them how I was doing, and how I know I can't make this. My mom and dad don't want me around. Nobody wants me. Nobody out there wants me, and I don't know what to do. I can't even think right anymore. You know, I just hate myself. And they said, we understand. You're in the right place. Well, for some reason, I somehow I stayed sober for three months. I was working step none. All right. Whew, that's tough. When you're working step none, it is tough. By the way, if you're new, we got 12 steps. It might be a good idea to, to, to make a decision to start on that first one. Because I was working step none. I wasn't drinking, going to meetings, and I was a lunatic. I just was, man. I was a sober lunatic, right? Car, car I can relate. I was a lunatic. I wasn't drinking. I was going to meetings, and I didn't want your God. I didn't want your happiness. I didn't want your faith. I didn't want your hope. I just wanted to stop hurting. Yeah, I wanted my mom and dad back. Yeah, I wanted my little sister back. Yeah, I wanted to have a half-decent life. But I didn't. How could this work? How could that work? What do you mean? Just don't drink? Come on. Don't insult me with that. I'm too intelligent for that. And you guys said, no, really? Just don't drink and go to a meeting. Just, just for now. You don't have to worry about anything else. Remember when Dr. Silky, you remember when Bill was trying to get the new guys, like really just, you know, catapulted into heaven right away. And he went to spiritual angle. And he, didn't, and he said, it's not working. And Silky told him, Bill, tell him about your drinking. Tell him how you drank. And, and that's what happened with Bill D., my favorite part in the big book is when Bill and Bob went to the, I think it's the Akron City Hospital, and they asked the nurse, Dr. Bob asked the nurse, hey, you got any drunks in here? And the nurse said, well, Bob, have you done anything about your drinking first? <laughs> he didn't think that was too funny. He said, yes, I have. He said, well, we had a sock come in here last night, socked one of the nurses and blackened their eyes, and he's back there yelling. You hear this guy in the background. <laughs> and, and so Dr. Bob sent him some sedatives, and, and, and once it took over, him and, him and Bill went back. This is Bill D, number three. And, uh, and he talked, they talked to him the first day, and all of a sudden, Bill, this is what I always do too when I do a 12 step, Bill said, Would you like us to come back tomorrow? You see? And he said, I love that, guys. Okay? And he didn't think there was any hope for him. And that night, he had some epiphany. That night, Bill D, if you read the story, Bill had an epiphany. He just knew that somehow this thing was going to work. And when his, Henrietta, his wife, came in the next day, he said, Henrietta, these two guys coming down the hallway, they're the guys I told you about. Those are the guys that understand me. You see, and that's what we're about in Alcoholics Anonymous. We're about carrying this message to others. It's not about how much we know in the books or, you know, what we know about the traditions or the concepts or, or you know, or how our AA works or our group's better than your group. My God. You know, it's about, you know, are we here when that alcoholic shows up? Is our group a bright, shining flame? Or when, or when they come in, are they seeing people bickering and, and, and yelling at each other? And worrying about is it going to be a smoking meeting or a no smoking meeting? You know, let's get over that stuff, man. Let's let that newcomer see a great hope. So I was new, and, and three months, and I'm again step none, and I'm from Philly. So like every other word, like there's a, like 18 F's in each sentence. You know, I, I use the F word as an adjective, a noun, a conjunctive verb, a, a participle, a preposition, a noun, a ver- the whole deal. I could use it, man. You know what I mean? Like the Sopranos. You guys watch the Sopranos? Oh yeah. And 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 and. And, and in Kalamazoo, Michigan, they talked about, like, soda pop. And the guy would say, it would take him, like, a minute to say, My name's Don, and I am 
an alcoholic. <laughs> and I wasn't like that. I'm like, la, 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 you've got to... And I meant well, guys. I really did. I wanted to stay sober. I knew you guys had the answer. But again, I was just a little... I was a little rough around the edges. I'm, I wasn't dressed in a suit with a nice haircut and, and a hanky coming at the hanky that matches a tie. I wasn't, you know. And so after three months, they, I came into the, in the Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo room. They said, sit down. I sat down. I know that's not good, man. And they said, your attitudes and behaviors are unbecoming to this Alano club. And you've got to go. Me. Got to go. And so I didn't know what to do. And I walked out of the room. I remember sitting to this moment as if it was yesterday. I remember sitting on the stoop outside the Alano Club. I remember sitting there, and, I, and I'm not letting them get to me. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm from Philly. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. And then the floodgates opened up, and I just started crying. And I knew I, I'm never going to make it anywhere. I can't make it in jail. I can't make it in prison. I can't make it on the streets. My own mom and dad don't want me. And now, as far as I'm concerned, I can't make it in Alcoholics Anonymous. What's wrong with me? And about that time, my angel showed up. His name is Don C. He's a pig farmer from Comstock, Michigan. Never even, <laughs> never even recognized him. He walked out of that club. He saw those guys. Like some of you know, we got some Don C's in this room. I know it. He saw those guys tell me to leave at three months over. And he came out and he said, Robbie, get my truck, boy. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and he had like tattoos. He had guns. Man, he had guns. He had big arms and tats. And he had tats on each knuckle. I never asked him what they meant, like initials. I never asked him, man. Tough guy. If he was a dog, he'd be a pit bull. You know what I mean? Look, he built like Lyle. A big, big old boy. And he got out. I got in his truck. And this boy was a pig farmer. And he also cut down trees. And he had like a, a chainsaw hanging around his mirror. And we're going down Cal uh, Kalamazoo Avenue. And I'm looking at him in his old Chevy. And I'm thinking... I made a bad move, you know. You ever watch A&E? Anybody watch A&E? Me, man. I'm thinking, oh, man, this dude going to cut me up and stuff, man. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to become dinner and stuff. I've seen that crap. You ever see that? Children of the corn. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm in trouble, man. And all of a sudden, we get out to his house, and all of a sudden, there's a big pit bull. I'm like, see, there it goes, man. He said, come on in, boy. And you're new, man. You know, when you're new, you just do what they tell you to do. And I follow him in. And the next thing you know, his wife comes up to me. Her name's Rhonda. She's a nurse. Uh, and she says, hi, I'm Rhonda, I'm Don's wife. And then two little boys come up to me, Brian and Dallas. They said, hi, Robbie, how you doing? Dad's told us all about you. He had it all set up. He had it all set up. He knew I was living on the street, but staying sober. He had it all set up. And he invited me to the home. And he told everybody, Robbie's going to be staying with us for a little while. And for the next nine months, this gentleman in Alcoholics Anonymous, this beautiful AA angel, my own mom and dad couldn't put up with me anymore. The authorities couldn't put me up with me anymore. The Alano Club couldn't put, put up with me anymore. And Don C. took me into his home. And he said, welcome home, son. Every night he would take me out in his backyard. And it was cold in Kalamazoo, Michigan, man. It's almost, it, well, it's not as bad as this, but man, it's cold. <laughs> you guys, you must be serious about AA. You, you live in South Dakota and you stay sober. God bless you. But man, it was cold. We got in his backyard and he'd tell me, he had his arm around me. And he said, boy... You know, because he wasn't really eloquent. Like, but he said, boy, he said, you're going to stay sober and someday you're going to be somebody. He said, you're a smart boy. You're a city boy, but you're a smart boy. And he kept on talking to me like that. And he said, and he said we're going to get you to meetings. We're going to put up with your nonsense. And he'd take me to meetings. He'd take me to stores and get me nice little jeans and, and shirts. You know what I mean? And, 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 and he'd help me. He'd let me go to work with him. I was never too uh, you know, enthused about that, to be honest with you. But uh, I know you guys out here hunt rabbits and, and pheasants, so I guess you guys would like it. I wasn't into that stuff. So anyway, 
Man, so anyway, I'm six months sober, right? I'm six months sober, Elliot. I'm doing good. No complaints, man. I'm staying sober. Now I'm feeling good. I'm going to step meetings. I'm on step one, man. I'm banging it, man. I'm reaching for that life preserver, like only the downing would see, like the drowning would see. I'm, I'm banging these principles, man. I'm, I'm first step. I'm doing good. And all of a sudden, Don said, now you're going to have to go to work. Man, I was doing so good. You know how these sponsors are. You're doing so good, and you know, they, they, they bring this crap on you. you gotta, and so I said, all right. And he got me a job. Now, if you're a newcomer, don't get a job from your sponsor. That's my experience. Just get a job on your own. Try, at least. Because my sponsor got me a job at a dairy farm. Now, I'm six months sober. I'm from Philadelphia. I like milk. I never wanted to get this involved with it. You with me? So I'm six months sober. My sponsor said, do it. So I did it. I'm a good AA member. That's why I'm here today. So I go to this farm. I show up at five in the morning. You farmers. Who's, any, any farmers in here? God. Oh, my God. God bless you guys. You guys really work. And I got there at five in the morning. So I figure, you know, and they said, ask for Claire. No, I'm new in AA. Probably haven't had sex in like two and a half years. <laughs> Uh, I mean, with somebody else. And uh, all the new guys are like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that crap. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But anyway, so I'm thinking I'm going to be Claire. You know what I mean? I show, I, I get there and I show up and there's this guy with red hair and three teeth. He said, I'm Claire. You the new guy? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, it never happened in prison. It's going to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I swear to God, I'm thinking, this guy's looking at me the wrong way. I go, <laughs> this ain't right, Jimmy. I go in this barn, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm six months sober. I'm sure my sponsor told him I'm six months sober. So maybe I'll just be an apprentice, right? So I go in there, and the only thing I see is cows and pails and, and stools. And so this dude sits, he says, watch me, boy. And so I watch him, and he sits next to this cow, and, and, and he starts going like this. It's very humiliating, I'm grabbing these things, oh, and, and, and milk's coming out. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, you're up. I'm like, really? And I'm six months sober, man. I think I'm on the third step by now, man. I'm, I'm, I'm turning my will on my left over to care of God. I'm sure he doesn't want me to milk cows. You with me? I really, I, I'm, I'm sitting there milking this stupid cow, thinking, what am I doing, man? Now, I'm from Philly, and I, we had a dog growing up. And out back, we had a little yard. And when Choo Choo had to go to the bathroom, well, you let him out. That made sense, right? So there's big pastures. What do I assume? I assume the cows, after you milked them and they ate their oats or hay or whatever they eat, they would go after the pastures. Little do I know, once I'm, I'm milking this cow, it's freezing in Kalamazoo, Michigan. There's hornets going around my head. And next thing you know, here it comes out, number one and number two. And it comes out, cows, they pee like, it's like a fire hose, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sorry to be so graphic, but it comes out. I'm sober, man. I don't want this. And there's steam coming up, and I'm looking at Claire. I'm saying, dude. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. Keep going. I'm like, oh, my God. And uh, at six months and one day, I got a job at McDonald's. <laughs> and I've been a member of the workforce ever since. And, uh, and I love it. And that's some of my early sobriety, man. I will tell you, in a year of sobriety, I came home, and I, uh, I, I turned myself into the authorities into the authorities in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania um, because of an outstanding burglary I had and I was one of four. And I did that ninth step. I made it direct amend to the Philadelphia Police Department. And I went into a prison for a year in the House of Correction. I did a year flat. And when I got out with three years of sobriety, I haven't looked back. Man, I, I walked my time off and I did the next right thing. So I got a pretty, I got a, I got a, I got a federal 
police record. So there are some things I can't do. I, I, I sponsor an attorney. My, uh, trust me, if my record could be expunged, it would have been. Uh, it can't be. I sponsor a guy that has his own firm. There's nothing you can do with, with, with some certain federal offenses. Uh, when you take money from the federal government, they don't say it's okay. Just keep going. So, so in early sobriety, it was a lot of things I couldn't do. I'm from Jersey. Okay, I, I moved down to Philadelphia. Doesn't didn't want me back, so I, I moved to the next state down, Jersey. And and, and so um, I couldn't work in the casinos. We have big prisons. I couldn't work in that. That's a federal place. And so finally, um, one day uh, at four years of sobriety, I got a job at what I do today. I know you would have never guessed it, but I'm a car salesman. <laughs> I do our ads on TV. I know you would have never known that. But, um, uh, and, and, I, and, and I liked it. I, I liked it. You know, I don't steal his money. I don't steal our cars. I used to steal cars before AA. But uh, I don't, you know, I don't steal cars today. I sell them. You know, I have a great, I, I got, I got, I got all over southern New Jersey. They come and see me. You know what I mean? Uh, there's people, when I come in on Monday, there'll be messages on my machine. Hey, Robbie, hope you had a good time at the convention. I'll be in the night, you know, or whatever. It's just the way it is. And I love what I do. I've been there for 18 and a half years. You know, they like me. They talk well about me. They send me away to, like, Dale Carnegie stuff. And, uh, and I train new guys and girls. You know what I mean? They always bring my name up, usually for good things. You know, that is sobriety, and I just love that. So it's six years of sobriety. Man, I'm in, I'm in AA now, man. I'm one of those guys. I, I do alcathons. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, my name's on the border. You know, uh, if it's a pig roast, I'll turn to pig. Whatever you guys want, man. I'm an AA member. I don't want to drink. I'm willing to do anything for victory over alcohol. And it's six years sober. But there's one thing I haven't done yet, and that was to get back with my loving parents. You see, I did a lot of um, damage. It says the, the road ahead, there's a long road of reconstruction. And we got to get down to that fourth and fifth step. And it's not fun if anybody's ever done a fourth and fifth step. It's not fun. It's a lot of work. And so it's time to do the fourth step. And my sponsor said, you can do it. I want you to call your mom and dad. I said, no, I've called them a few times. And I wrote some letters and they know I'm okay. They know where I'm living. They know I'm doing pretty good. They know about my new girlfriend, whatever. They said, no, 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 no. I want you to call your mom and dad and I want you to ask them if they're willing to let you come home. And I wasn't willing to do that. I was too embarrassed. I was too ashamed of all the things I had done to them. I knew that I was just, I just couldn't do it. I was just so ashamed and I just couldn't do it. And I, and I don't know what that's about, but I, but I kept staying sober. And, and one day I finally did it. On December 20th of 1989, I called home. And my mom answered the phone and she's the most loving woman that you'd ever want to meet in your life. She says, and she's still alive today and she's awesome. And I said, Mom, hi, it's your son. She says, hi, Rob, how you doing, son? I said, I'm doing good. She said, yeah, I've heard a few things. He says, good, I'm glad you're doing well. How's the car dealership? I said, oh, it's going great, Mom. I'm doing, got a new Mustang, you know, I'm doing good, man. She said, oh, it's great. And I prayed, and I was praying, man. I knew I was going to ask it, I, I couldn't do it. And I finally said, Mom, would you mind if I came home for Christmas? And there was a sil silence at the other end of the line, just like there is now. And I heard her breathing in and out. And she said, son, we were just waiting for you to ask. And on December 25th of 1989, I went home to my parents. I hadn't seen them in uh, probably 10 years. I had been in inside of jails and prisons and rehabs and mental hospitals and living on the streets. And, and yeah, I'd been a good member for six years in AA, but I just hadn't gotten to that part of my fourth step yet. And when I went home on December 25th of 1989, my mom and dad opened the door. I met my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my sister's, uh, my, my brother-in-law for the first time. My sister, last time I had seen her, she was 12. And now she must have been 20, 21, 22 years old and she was married. She turned into a beautiful woman. She hugged me. She was so grateful to see her big brother again. My dad went upstairs and he came down with a whole bag of gifts. And inside that gift was, a, was an Eagles jersey with my name on the back of it. 
And he kneeled in front of me and said, son, welcome home. I don't know what this deal that you're in is about, but welcome home. We're so glad to have you. See, he gave me that ticket at six years of sobriety to realize that I don't have to be afraid of making amends. I don't have to be afraid of doing these things that you guys say to do, these simple, these simple uh, set of rules or, or, or principles. And after that, man, life just took on new meaning, man. I started becoming a big brother. I started becoming a son. And next thing you know, I was at one of these AA weddings. You ever go to a wedding where somebody's getting married and everybody there's an AA and everybody's happy and, you know, everybody's trying to talk the guy out of it, whatever. But it's a good <laughs> wedding. And uh, that's a joke. And, uh, and, uh, and the next thing you know, there's my future wife. But I didn't know it. There's this young girl. She's 15 years younger than me. There's some hope for the new guys. And uh, her name's Bunny. So, uh, and I was hot on her, don't get me wrong, but I didn't think she was going to want me, you know. I was, you know, 33 years old. I'm an old guy at this point, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and she looked at me and she started flirting with me. And that's all you got to do with me when I'm new, you know. And, uh, and the next thing you know, man, I, I got to do all those things. I got to, uh, I got to ask her. We were on a ski weekend, an AA ski weekend. And I, and I asked her uh, uh, if she'd be willing to marry me. And I got on my knee in front of all my buddies with a ring, like a $6,000 ring. I was sick. And, um, <laughs> but I loved her. And, uh, and I asked her father for her hand. And... Uh, and on October 12th of, of 1996, I got married to my loving wife. You know, uh, since October of 1994, um, I haven't been with another woman. So that's the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't just come here and try to look good and sound good or be some great AA member and then do whatever I want. You know, you know I do what I'm supposed to do. I I'm married and I try to act like it. How about that? Nice concept, huh? And, and, and it's Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't just stop drinking. We take these principles, we take them off the walls. We try to be a good example of the big book to people when they see us. You know, we try to give hope, you know, uh, to people that this thing can work, that you can actually work this program in all your affairs. You know, the 12 step, the joy of living, the 12 step, you know, practice these principles in all our affairs. So life kept on going on. I, I got to be uh, one of those delegates. You know, I started, I started, I was a GSR, I was a DCM, and all of a sudden one day my sponsor's the chairman of the area, that's not a good thing, and, cause they always say, oh, you should do this and do that, and next thing you know, I'm, I, I was an alternate delegate for a couple of years, and when you meet these people, the greatest thing about them is, they all love AA. And, and yeah, it's a lot of Sundays at assemblies, and it's a lot of going to district meetings, one time about a boring day, go to a district meeting, oh, but you, but I went to them, I stayed sober. And the next thing you know, I'm in my first year of being a delegate. And guess where I'm going? It's April and I'm in 1998 and I'm going to the General Service Conference. I got all my suits packed in that thing, man. I'm excited. I'm probably 14, 15 years sober. And all of a sudden, my wife looks at me. We've got a house now. We're married. And she said, sit down. I'm thinking, dang, this ain't good, man. I said, honey, I'm getting ready to go to the big agenda. Sit down. Stay right there. I'm thinking, oh, she runs in the bedroom like, oh, what did she find, man? You know what I mean? And she comes out and she said, she, she got on her knees and she handed me a plate. And on that plate was a rattle. And she said, I just want to let you know, you're going to be gone for a week. And there's going to be two people here that are going to miss you. And I never thought that was going to happen. And that's the way she told me that I was going to be a daddy. Our little girl's named Allison Ann. Her picture's right in my big book, all over my big book. I'm a little weird. And, uh, and I went out to the, to the General Service Commons that year on a Monday night. I don't know if you were a delegate in 98, 99, but in 1998, they had a shower for me Monday evening in a big room like this, the whole General Service Conference. Gary Glenn and, and all those guys up there. And 
Greg Moose, and uh, and they had a shower for me, you know, that, that gay chick thing you girls do, you know what I mean? Like they gave me gifts and books because I'm having a baby. I didn't, I didn't get it, but uh, but uh, but the neat thing about it was I got to experience this kind of stuff. I remember when my wife was coming out of the hospital with, the, you know, they put her in a wheelchair and her, she's got my little baby girl, Alice and Ann, in her hands. And I remember I'm trying to take a picture and I'm and finally a nurse said, honey. Give me the camera. And she said, get in the picture. So I got the, we got this picture on our wall. My wife and baby are like this, and I'm crying my eyes out like a real wimp. But it's just the way it is, man. It's, it's what happens when we stay sober. So if you're new here, how am I doing, Mr. Taper? Where am I at? About 60 minutes? Usually about this point. How am I doing? Oh, okay. We want to wrap this up. So anyway, I'm having too good of a time. It's warm in here. No. Anyway. Uh, so the lawyers, let, 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 let's try to close this up. Um, life has just taken on new meaning. But guess what has never changed? What has never changed is my enthusiasm for helping the newcomer. You know, I don't care about this stuff. This is great if it stops tomorrow. About coming to, don't get me wrong, I love just coming to other areas and meeting new people, meeting new friends for life. I know I'll meet you guys again as we trudge the road, probably at internationals or wherever, at other conventions when I come back this way or when you come my way. But the reality of it is that we get to meet new people. We get to meet people that we can tell you guys, this thing really works. I know sometimes we, we don't always convey that because we're in our heads and we're, we're living and we're going through relationships and we're going through college and we're going through things. But this thing really works. It really works. I like to end with a story. I like to end with a story about this little boy. This is a new one. This ain't from my story you know, dude. Uh, the, the, this is about a little boy named Bobby. And Bobby lived with his parents out in the country, kind of like, you know, out there somewhere in like uh, Montana or whatever, you know, South Dakota. So anyway, he's out in this little country with, with mom and dad and, and mom was out working on a Saturday afternoon. And he's just with dad and, and dad made him a nice big watering hole in the back, you know, a nice big little pond. And Bobby liked that. He was a guy. He was a boy. You know, he liked he was 10 years old. He liked to fish and you know, shoot pheasants and, and, and all these things you guys like to do out here and, 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 and just go out. And, and But he could never go out with his father's permission. So one day his dad's out in the garage doing things that dads do, you know, making stools or doing something. And all of a sudden here's Bobby out in, the, out in the water. And he's not supposed to be out there without permission. And so all of a sudden his dad says, ah, jeez. And he goes out and he says, Bobby, Bobby, come on in. And all of a sudden, you know, he sees, he sees the, the, uh, the alligator. He sees the nose coming towards Bobby. He's like, oh, my God, Bobby, Bobby, a crocodile, a crocodile, let's go. Now, Bobby says, oh, no, man, Dad, he, don't, he knows something's wrong. He doesn't know what's going on. But he starts swimming towards his dad. He knows he's in trouble. He starts saying, come on, come on, Daddy's, his dad said, sure, come on, come on. And the crocodile's getting closer and closer to this kid, right, little Bobby. And his dad said, come on, come on. He's trying to grab him. Next thing you know, uh, a hunter's going by, a farmer's going by, a guy like Lyle's going by. And he sees what's going on. And he stops his pickup truck, grabs his rifle starts running towards the shore seeing what's going on just about the time the hunter gets ashore just about the time that bobby grabs onto his his dad grabs onto his arms all of a sudden the crocodile comes up behind him and grabs him by, by the rear end and by the front of his legs and he starts trying to pull him back out to the water at this point his dad's got him by the elbows and he's trying to pull him back to shore and finally the, the farmer's looking and he's looking and he grabs him and he grabs that gun and goes pow and he, and he hits the gator right in the, in, in, in the side and the gator goes down 
And Bobby is just mangled. I mean, his legs are hanging off and his dad still holding on. His dad's hurting and, and the farmer calls the, the medic and the med EMTs come and Bobby gets taken to the hospitals, cameras, it's all throughout the papers. For weeks and weeks, the poor kid's getting skin grafts and going through tremendous pain. Finally, a couple months later, he's finally home and his dad agrees to a, uh, a little interview with his son and the Gazette comes over, the local Gazette, the South Dakota Gazette comes over and there they are, and they're interviewing Bobby. And Bobby's the hero, and he's, uh, he's on TV and everything. And finally, the reporter says, and the cameras are on him, and says, Bobby, can we see your scars? And he, they know he's scarred for life. And all of a sudden, he pulls, down the, he pulls down the blanket. Oh, and it was just an atrocious sight, folks. And you could see the, the scars that the, the gator had left, and some of his legs weren't there. And it was just, oh, it was atrocious. And, but it was he on, and he was just a, a strong, courageous boy. And all of a sudden, they, they said, okay, turn the cameras off. Thank you so much, Bobby. And he started to leave. He said, excuse me, sir. Can, can, can you turn the camera back on? Uh, okay, Bobby. Well, we're really, yeah. He said, no, 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 sir. Please turn the camera back on. You said you wanted to see my scars. And he took his, he took his shirt off. And he went to the bathroom. I want to show you the scars in the bathroom. I got a little too graphic there. So he took his, his shirt off. And, and, and he turned around, he says, I want you to see the scars on the back of my back. And you could see four or five fingerprints coming down his back where he just had dug in two or three inches in his back. He says, that, that guy's, and the cameras are rolling, that is where my father wouldn't let go of me. That crocodile was so strong, it hurt so much, but my daddy would not let me go. And ladies and gentlemen, I say to you, if you are sitting here tonight, I don't care if you got two days or seven days or 17 years. Please realize the only reason that I'm here and the only reason you're here is because your heavenly father would not let go of you. You see, when you were out there and you didn't care about nobody or nothing, not even your own parents, not even, not even yourself, when you didn't care about anybody and you were doing whatever you had to do to get another drink, your God loved you madly every single second. Don't you ever get so down on yourself that you want to take your life. Don't you ever get so down on yourself or hate that God. Because all he did the whole time, just like in Footprints, is he loved you madly. Please remember that as you go back out to your, back home to your areas, back home to your home groups, back home to your loved ones, those loved ones that care about us. You know, keep in mind that he's got a job for you to do. And that job isn't to look good, your job isn't to sound good. It isn't to smell good. Your job is to be there with a smile, a handshake, perhaps a warm cup of coffee when that alcohol comes into your room or your Alano club or your meeting. And he says, or she says, I need help. We all got to be there. Thank you for letting me share.